Hello, welcome to Educating in the New Normal. This is episode three, and I'm here with an awesome educator in Grand Prairie ISD, um, Emily Diggerson. Um, she is um, on with us today. So I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself, and she can uh, tell us a little bit about her background and where she's at and what she teaches. Awesome. Thanks, Marty. Um, yeah, so my name is Emily, and I am currently teaching at Grand Prairie High School. I teach primarily Algebra 1, but I have one section of Geometry Pre-AP. And I've been in GP for three years now. And before that, I come from Dallas ISD, where I taught Geometry and Coach Girls Track at Lincoln High School. So excited to be here today uh, to talk a little bit more about this new journey with online learning. Awesome. Thank you, Emily, for being with us. Um, before we get into some questions that I have for Emily, I have a few updates that I want to talk about. Um, so our, we are planning on having our algebra placement exam for those sixth and seventh graders who want to take who want to be in algebra. That will we are planning on having it in July. We don't have any final uh, decisions yet, but by the end of the week, we will send out communication about that. So we will. Um, so we are, since we are going to have that exam, we're going to plan on having the review um, uh, sometime in May, probably the 9th or the 16th. Again, we haven't, once we have that final decision on the exam, we'll, we'll make some final decisions on the review. Um, we are also excited about our AP review. Um, this Saturday on the 25th, we'll have all of our calculus and statistics students there and um, learning and it's going to be a conference style with teachers from across the district uh, supporting those students. So we're excited about that. And lastly, um, we have, uh, don't forget to be on our Slack. We have a lot of collaboration and communication going on there, uh, updates about huddles and uh, resources and things like that. So uh, join us there. Um, if you need some more information about that, just email me um, and uh, and you can check out our s'more as well if you have access to that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our questions. Um, and so the first question is, um, how are you uh, connecting with your students? Yeah, so um, I communicate with my students in a couple of different ways right now. So pri our primary method of pushing out content to them is through Canvas, which I think is pretty uniform across our district at the secondary level. Um, and so sending messages, posting announcements, things like that. Um, but I'm also hosting Zoom tutoring sessions, which aren't required for my class because I know that different students have different schedules and are taking care of siblings right now. But just if students need an extra resource or they need help with the content, they can join me on Zoom um, or reach out to set up a Zoom time slot with me um, so that I can tutor them and use the whiteboard feature and kind of work through math problems with them. Um, and then also just communicating with them through email. Um, a lot of them reach out to me through their parents' email addresses. And so just being aware of things like that. Cool. And how often are you um, like emailing the parents or students and things like that? Uh, yeah, so I have Zoom tutoring on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Um, and then if a student reaches out and wants, you know, individual help and I'm sitting at my computer and available by all means, I'll jump on with them. And then whenever it comes to emailing, I try to send them an update at least once a week um, regarding what's going on or changes. So when the new district grading policy got pushed out, um, I sent out a message to all students letting them know 
that I'd be updating grades on Skyward once a week so that they could keep an eye out and make sure that they're on track to pass. Um, and then just as parents and students email me, which it seems like it happens several times a day, somebody reaches out with a question or a technology issue, um, just making sure that I am responding to them in a timely manner so that they can get their work done. Awesome. So it looks like you're just, um, you're trying to get them all the communication they need through all the different platforms. So that's awesome. Um, next question. What's a problem that you might be having during this time? Yeah. So this, for me, um, I think the biggest issue that I'm running into is just an inner dilemma of wanting to take risks as a teacher um, in trying new things with online learning. I really love exploring and trying new things. Um, and so I've been pushed in this time into an entirely new platform and really um, just forced out of my normal rut of teaching. And so part of me really wants to explore and try all these new platforms that we're learning about in huddles and from the district and from other teachers. But I'm, uh, I'm struggling with balancing that with providing consistency for our students. Um, just given the lack of forewarning to this situation, I didn't have an opportunity to establish systems and structure, structures in place with those kids. And so I worry a little bit that if I try something new or I send them to a new platform, the technology issues will just double again and they won't be able to access the content. And so I think my biggest problem is just balancing that as a teacher. How do I provide content to students that is meaningful and vertically aligned um, while also not just giving them mundane practices every single week? And I find myself, uh, to be honest, erring on the side of mundane practices to avoid those technology issues because so many of my students right now, it seems, can't even get logged into Canvas or they can't download apps on their iPads. They can't access self-service. And so just balancing, like providing content that is interesting with students and relevant to students with also um, it being accessible has been an issue I've been running into. Yeah, definitely. Um, nobody expected us to be in this situation. And so that's definitely hard because like you said, you know, adding, you keep adding new stuff. Um, and and stuff that's probably good and engaging, but then students have to figure out how to use it and um, they have to. So that sometimes that might cause some stress on, you know, for the students as well, you know, figuring out a new platform, new uh, way of, of learning. And so um, that's definitely a balance. But at the same time, we want to, you know, push our students and we want to try new things. And so that's that's awesome um, thing that you brought up because. Yeah, it, it's difficult right now because you don't want to add too much, um, but at the same time, you don't you don't want to just you know do the bare minimum. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important for us to continue to try new stuff, but uh, also keep in mind that there's a lot of other factors that we have to consider. And so, um, awesome. Um, so what's something that you have tried that went really well? And then um, follow-up question, what is something that you tried, um, but then it didn't go so well? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel that I've planned at this point or implemented at this point any lessons that are particularly incredible or just way out there and like, oh, it's so cool that kids are doing this. 
Um, but one thing that I have done consistently that I think has worked well and that I think will continue to serve my students well in the long run is just creating videos for them, explaining the content um, so that they can kind of explore at their own pace. If I'm boring them, they can speed up the video. If they need to press pause and watch it again, they can. Um, but I think that why why I particularly value this is this it has forced me as a teacher into learning how to screencast, into learning how to annotate on a keynote or a PowerPoint while I'm recording myself. Um, just to really provide, you know, a visual for the visual learners, audio for the auditory learners, and just as many things as possible, and just slowly planning more and more into those videos. So I've been collaborating with Mr. Houston, one of the district strategists, um, as I've created my videos for our probability unit in geometry. And I'm really excited um, for some ways that he is helping me to put content together to make it more interactive for students through Edpuzzle um, and also just through like demonstrating probability experiments like Russian roulette with eggs, you know, just things that make probability really hands on for kids to, to add in that kinesthetic for our kinesthetic learners. And so um, I think just creating videos for them to be able to access and I can track their views on YouTube. Um, and also letting that slowly push me into more and more risks has been um, meaningful. And then I think a second thing that I've heard a lot of teachers talk about is just consistently surveying students for feedback um, through a simple survey on Canvas, but just so that I can continue to monitor how I'm instructing and the needs of my kids and where they're at um, socially, emotionally, um, and academically in this time. I think those are two things that have helped me uh, navigate this time well. Oh, and then cool. something yeah. that didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned mm -hmm. this earlier, but we just need to have any forewarning, um, obviously, the, with the school closures. And so I think the hardest, um, the hardest thing right now is just that there was no chance for me to set expectations for students in person and communicate and to field their questions. And so I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to communicate with my kids on as many platforms as possible, pushing out emails through Skyward, pushing out emails through email addresses, messaging them on Canvas, posting an announcement on Canvas, posting videos. And it's just really hard to get students to read or watch everything you post. Um, and so a lot of times, like, I, I posted kind of a pseudo syllabus for this time when we first switched over. And I noticed a lot of kids were messaging me with the same questions that I had already answered in that document. So then, you know, I did a screencast on my computer and talked about how to navigate Canvas and posted it. And I'm still having a lot of kids reach out with questions that I've already answered elsewhere. And so just remembering that um, my focus is on algebra and geometry right now, but these students have seven or eight classes that they're trying to navigate. And different teachers have different expectations and different ways of posting things. And so just being patient and making sure that I'm still pushing out communication and in as many ways as possible um, to help students navigate um, has been really important. Yeah, that's good. Um, just going back to the uh, making the videos and this, the screencasting that you were talking about, you, you mentioned uh, YouTube, you mentioned Keynote. Um, and then, so what do you, what are the tools that you use to make those videos? Yeah. So usually I start out by just outlining on a PowerPoint because I'm super familiar with PowerPoint, um, whatever lesson I am presenting to students, which for algebra is a lot of review at this point, because were we in school, we'd be prepping for STAR. 
um, but just outlining the, uh, the content there. And then I export it as a PDF or as a keynote, depending on which platform I want to use for my iPad. Um, and I have a stylus, not an expensive one, just like a $10 stylus that Miss Stevens, our uh, ESL strategist, happened to give me earlier this year. Um, that I used to write on my iPad. And mm -hmm. so I either open, if I export it as a PDF, I open it on um, books on my laptop, I mean, on my iPad, which enables you to um, directly edit. And then if I export it as a keynote, obviously I open it as a keynote and just brief pros and cons. To me, it's a little bit easier to write and navigate on the keynote while presenting in um, while screencasting on your iPad. But with the PDF, it actually makes the screen a little bit bigger, so you have more room to write. That's kind of why mm -hmm. I think that's between those two platforms. Um, but you can just add to your navigation pane on your iPad the ability to screen record. And so you drag down and you click it, and you make sure your mic's on, and then you're able to talk and the students see whatever is on your screen. So as you're writing, I just, you know verbally explain what I'm doing, the kids can see the writing, and then whenever I'm finished, I can upload that video to my YouTube channel, which I then post a link for. That way, if students are having trouble accessing a video in Canvas, they can re-navigate to YouTube because what student at a high school level doesn't have access to YouTube is my, my thinking there. Um, also, you can mm -hmm. export those annotated notes directly. So I also post the annotated notes on Canvas. That way, if a kid is just a visual learner and just wants to see the process, they have access to each problem worked out by hand. Cool. Um, cool. And then you, um, I like how you mentioned about, uh, surveying students. Um, but just go back to the videos real quick. Uh, I forgot I wanted to mention that I think creating your own videos, I know it might take more time, but I think it's better because you said for, as a teacher, it helps you, uh, just learning how to do that and, and learning this new type of resource, but also for students, it's nice to hear their own teacher's voice instead of, uh, somebody on YouTube, especially during this time when um, we're so disconnected, um, it's nice to hear your own teacher's voice. And and also for a teacher, you can you can make sure you hit exactly what you need to hit because a lot of times you find videos like on uh, Khan Academy and they talk a little bit about what you want, but then they don't go into the depth you want or they go in too much, uh, too deep into the content. So it's nice to create your own videos as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the surveying is a really cool thing. Um, I, I like that you're doing that and that's something uh, new that I, that I've, uh, haven't heard it just surveying on not only the academic side, but the emotional and social. So I think that's really cool that you're doing that as well, because, um, I think that'd be helpful for you to understand what students are going through and then you can better support them yeah, that yeah. way. Um, so that's really sure. cool. I've noticed that more students participate uh, in the surveys or if I just post a random discussion board that says, tell me something good. A lot of them are eager for interaction with others, like really a safe interaction. So I think it's been helpful for them to be able to communicate in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and, and I know um, as far as like you're setting expectations and uh, getting students to respond and to watch the videos and to do the assignments, it's going to be really tough right now just because of the whole situation. Uh, and I've heard this from many other educators about right now we're not, it's not really distance learning. This is more of like um, 
you know, emergency yeah. learning because of what's going on. And so uh, we shouldn't have, as educators, we shouldn't set this expectation that every student needs to be doing every assignment and watching everything because right now, like you said, we didn't have time to prepare. We don't, we didn't plan for this to happen. And so um, right now we're just doing our best to get, you know, the best content and the best support for our students that we can. And, and uh, but there are so many variables and situations that students are in and, and educators are in. So right now we're just doing our best and, um, and we'll just have to uh, continue work and, and fill in those gaps uh, that students may have uh, next yeah. year. So uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, bringing that up and, and just kind of being vulnerable with that no problem. part of it. Um, and so last question, um, so what are, uh, you talked a little bit about some things that you've learned, um, but what are, what are some things that you've learned during this uh, time of quarantine uh, that might be helpful when students are back in the classroom uh, next yeah, year? Yeah, so back to those videos that I'm creating, I'm actually really excited to kind of play around with mm -hmm. some of the technology that I'm using right now for those. And so a couple of ways I'm thinking about doing that. Um, I think, well, backtracking. I think one of my greatest strengths as a teacher is just how frequently I question students throughout the lesson cycle to really put the, the burden of learning on them um, or the burden of thought on them. But I think that creating videos like I have been can be used to kind of split my classroom sometimes. And I'm not sure exactly how much risk I'll take in doing this, but I think that there are some lessons that would lend themselves well to me having a video prepared in advance so that kids can progress at their own rate and train me up as a teacher to monitor, to go around, to answer more questions. It's kind of flipping the lesson cycle. It changes the pace up. It provides a different way for students to learn. And just having a bank of videos so that if a kid can't attend tutoring, you know, they have access to that experience at home. So that's an immediate thought that I have. Um, but also, our Algebra 1 team at GP has been talking about how all of the videos that we're creating could be a really valuable resource next year during ERC review, just to have a bank of videos for all of the readiness centers we're hitting on right now for kids, you know, as we do station work, whatever that may look like, um, even if it's not entirely quick learning, just having that as a resource available um, will be super valuable. And then mm -hmm. another way, um, I'm thinking about how this is valuable is just using Zoom for virtual tutoring for kids to ride a bus them. So every year it seems like I have five to ten kids who just because of parents' schedule, because of siblings, because of whatever, they ride the bus, they can't stay for tutoring after school. And so just realizing now, hey, there's still another way that we can connect with kids, even if it means I'm tutoring and I just hook up Zoom so that the kids can watch as I'm explaining things with other students. Um, I think that could be a meaningful platform to connect with students who have um, issues that prevent them from coming to actual tutoring. And then I think the last thing that um, I've learned during this time that's really shifted my mindset is um, just how things change when the end of course exam is canceled for algebra. So I think students and teachers feel like just feel such an immense pressure to perform whenever it comes to those state tests because they're tied to our accountability ratings. And I've been really grateful as an educator for a break from that this year and just an opportunity to think, hmm, now that I have nine weeks of instruction with my students and no test to prepare for, what skills are most important moving forward? Vertically aligning my instruction with what is to come for students. 
And so I think it's just served as a good reminder to me to look beyond the test and to consider, like, for the sake of the child and their holistic math education, what is valuable and how are we teaching things in such a way that will be meaningful beyond the STAR exam in May. Um, so I think those are the things that I've learned um, and the things that I hope to carry forward. Cool. Yeah, those, those are some really good things that you brought up. Um, going back to the videos, uh, <clears throat> there's... Like you said, there's so much you can do with videos, even if you're in the class. Uh, I like how you said within the class, you can have them watch the video where they can fast forward it. They can go at their own pace. Um, and it also opens up time not only for you to answer questions, but maybe you can pull like a small group that needs a specific type of yeah. support. Um, and then you can you can work with a smaller group. We know all know that that helps with, you know, <clears throat> focusing on on those students that you have um so that opens up that and like you said flip the flipping the lesson you can even make you talked about the other teachers possibly making videos if you compile all of those videos you'll have your own video library that students can pull from and see not only you but other teachers in the same campus yeah. so i think that's a really cool cool idea yeah i'm excited to see how it, it shifts our instruction moving forward and then um, I haven't thought of that. The next thing that you brought up about tutoring, um, using Zoom as a way to tutor for those students who um, are not able to stay before or after school. Um, and so that's a that's a really cool way to to still connect with those students um, through Zoom to have that tutoring session um, wherever they're at. So that's a that's a really great idea on that. Thanks. And then la lastly, the um, yeah, the 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 test is a lot of pressure. That state test that um, a lot of times we get that um, narrow focus, you know, that narrow focus on that test and how are we going to prepare students for this test, and and we forget about the, all the other things that we need to prepare them for, not only the next math classes, but just general things on, you know, how to problem solve, how do we think, how do we study, how do we learn, um, how can we get them to have that deep understanding, how how are we going to get them to have enjoy learning math, um, those fun experiences of learning, and, and not just about, you know, how are they going to answer this multiple choice question. So yeah, that's, that's a really good, good uh, way to look at it, because, um, yeah, we, we right now we don't have that pressure and we can kind of focus on what we know is going to be best for them in, in the coming yeah. years. So, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. That was that was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, it's really good things Thanks. to think about. Um, so that that was our last question. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would just like to say thank you to you guys. I think that and to our leaders. Um, I've just been really impressed with Grand Prairie as a whole and the way that our leaders and our um, curriculum department in math have really supported teachers during this time and supported students and family and been realistic about um, the the changes in this season that exist for so many of our students. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful for the positive spirit of my colleagues in planning via PLC remotely and just the opportunity to interact more directly with them now that I'm not teaching all day has been a blessing. So um, thank you to you, Marty, uh, and to all of our leaders for everything they are doing for us. 
Awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. It's always good to hear uh, some appreciation. And we're just like the teachers, uh, we're working hard. I know admin's working hard. Um, so we're all working hard to just ultimately for our students to continue to be successful. So thank you for that, uh, Emily. Thank you for that compliment. Um, so that is the end of our show today. Thank you all for joining with us uh, here on Educating in Our New Normal. Uh, we look forward to, to being with you guys next time. Um, and just uh, remember that here in teaching and learning, our vision is to grow every student every day. Uh, so let's continue to do that. <laughs>